Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Jesus is king and Jesus is bringing the kingdom. So we see that Jesus is king as in the gospels. He has power over all things, authority over all things. He has authority over ailments, over sicknesses, over every cell in our bodies, over every spiritual and demonic force. He is the king and ruler absolute. And he is bringing his kingdom. Jesus thrives in the face of opposition. If you look at cultures through the centuries that have outlawed Christianity, you don't see a pattern of people abandoning their faith and dying out in that place. It's in those places where the enemy is hardest at work that Jesus comes to life in the hearts of his followers and spreads like fire. As Pastor Ricky reminds us in today's message, while the battles of life will continue, Jesus has won the victory and his kingdom is actively growing in this world. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts chapter 5. As he begins his message, Jesus at work despite opposition. Acts chapter 5, we are in a series on the book of Acts. And a, f- a few times a year, usually, I will fly for work or, or maybe to go visit uh, my wife's family who's back on the East Coast. And one of the things that happens is after you fly for you know, a while, it just becomes routine the whole exercise of how to board and all this stuff and the seats and, and the seats that seem to get like tinier every year. I feel like every year they just shave like a millimeter off of the seat room. And so eventually we're just gonna like be in like a little harness or something like that. So you, you start to get numb to all of that stuff. But last year when I was flying, there was this lady who came onto the plane. You know how everybody comes onto the plane? Uh, they're just they're just kind of, okay, whatever. You know, some people already have their headphones on, ignoring the flight attendants. And this person did not, though. They, like, came onto the plane like this, like, whoa. And they're, like, coming down the aisle and looking around. And they're, like, kind of in awe of the whole thing and the compartments that fold up. And then they, they go to the seat and they look at the seat and they, like, kind of look around, like, are they all this big or small? Are they all this small? Is this the right size? Is this the right size seat? Do I get an extra small seat? No, that's the seat. And so they sit down and then, you know, the flight attendants come and they're doing the safety braving and the person has like the map out. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh, right, okay, right, right. So, you know, they're looking for the closest exit. Everybody else is like, whatever. Because um, we know if the plane goes down, we're all gonna die anyway. So <laughs> it's just, it's gonna happen, man. And yet at one point, this is when I realized this really probably is this lady's first time to fly because the pilot came on the intercom and says what pilot often says at some point. They say, all right, passengers, we're going to encounter a little bit of turbulence. So I'm going to ask you to put your seatbelts uh, on and uh, keep them on for the duration of the flight. It's going to get a little bumpy. And the, the lady, like, she's like, what, what, does that, what does that mean? You know, she could tell, but she didn't have anybody with her. She couldn't ask anybody. And so we're all prepared for it. You know, we check our seatbelts. It's fine. We're flying. And then the first bump happens. The first, like, we're flying and then boom like that, right? And all of us just kind of lift our drinks off of our tray table and like whatever. But for this lady, listen, th- you have to put yourself in this lady's perspective. She has just boarded a bullet with wings that's getting shot at hundreds of miles an hour into the air and now it's shaking up and down. 
And so the look in her eyes is, oh no, we're, we're going down. So she's pulling the seat map back out and looking for the exit row and stuff. Lady, there's no parachute. So the thing that I love about that is somebody just needed to like come alongside her and say, it's okay. This is a little bit bumpy, but this is normal and we're all gonna get there, right? We're all gonna get there. A few years ago, somebody at the church had gotten saved kind of radically out of a, out of a kind of a party lifestyle, a lifestyle of addiction, and they'd come to the church. And so I began meeting with this, this younger young man who was wanting to follow Jesus. And the first couple meetings were just, I can't believe it. It's amazing. I feel the love of God in my heart. I feel all these things he's doing. I feel peace for the first time. It's like amazing. I want to tell people and I'm encouraging. Yeah, talk to people that you know about it. It's great. Like share your testimony. He's, and then a few weeks later, he comes back and he goes, you know what, man? I like talked to my old friends and they wanted to go do this. And I told them, no, I'm not going to do that because this is, you know, what I believe and I follow Jesus and they should too now. And they didn't like it. And I was like, well, I mean, how are you doing with that? He's like, it hurt me, man. And he's like, and then I tried to, you know, they didn't invite me to the next thing. And then I invited them over and they didn't want to come over, man. And, I'm, and you could tell like the look in his eyes was the same look that the lady had, right? The first bump and his, his eyes are big and like, I can't believe not everybody wants to follow Jesus like I do, you know? And listen, what, what I tried to do is just come alongside him and say, brother, it's okay. <laughs> These bumps are normal. There's gonna be a little bit of turbulence. And this is exactly what our passage is talking about today. This, this passage we're about to read is the second and third times the apostles are opposed. They've already been opposed by the council and the religious leaders. They're gonna continue to be opposed. As we go further, people are gonna get killed. People are gonna get you know, attacked, people are gonna get beat up, and yet Luke doesn't try to hide any of that. If I were the Luke, the, the physician turned author, I wouldn't put any of the bad stuff about the early church in. I would just say, and then the Holy Spirit came, and then it was wonderful, and daisies and roses, and every day was a Friday, and everything was wonderful forever. And then you go, what about that guy that died? Don't look at him, look over here. And Luke's like, no, 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 no. I want you guys to see this. He's, he's recording the early church history. I want you to see this because this is the pattern of the church. All the great stuff about Jesus is true, and so is this. And so we're gonna be looking at today how we respond to opposition as Christians. Well, we have five brief sections today. We're gonna cover a big chunk of Acts. Uh, these messages we're doing in Acts, we're covering big chunks of them because we wanna kind of get an overview, a flyover of the early church in Acts. And we're gonna break this into five sections that have kind of five messages that all relate together. And you'll see what I mean as we go on. The first section and the first point is this. If we are with Jesus, Jesus' power is with us. Acts 5, we're gonna pick it up in verse 12. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
Now, this is remarkable. And what's helpful to remember is that Luke, the physician turned historian, this isn't the only book in the Bible that he wrote. He also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And so this is kind of one and two parts of his history. And in part one, as Jesus walked around and did miracles and did healings, he, Luke is intentionally reusing some of the same phrases that were true of when Jesus was walking around and doing ministry talking about the multitudes, talking about even carrying out the sick into the streets, talking about bringing the sick and those afflicted, talking about everybody there being healed. These phrases are similar to the phrases that were used of Jesus teaching and healing ministry in the gospel of Luke. Now, why is Luke reusing the material? Did he just kind of run out of material and he's like, I'll just use some of the Jesus stuff? No, he's using the same language to illustrate the fact that Jesus' power is still at work in the world, right? Jesus, when he was physically in bodily form, in incarnate form, walking around, healing people, teaching about the kingdom of God, well, he may have ascended, but he is still with the church. He is so powerfully with the church that it's almost like you can't tell the difference between his healing ministry and the church's healing ministry. So powerful that, that people, people bringing Folks from all of these surrounding towns around Jerusalem, they're picking up people and carrying them into Jerusalem so that they could be healed, so they could be freed from spiritual oppression. We see these two great themes of the Gospel of Luke repeated here in the book of Acts. The themes that Jesus is king and Jesus is bringing the kingdom. So we see that Jesus is king as in the Gospels. He has power over all things, authority over all things. He has authority over ailments, over sicknesses, over every cell in our bodies, over every spiritual and demonic force. He is the king and ruler absolute. And he is bringing his kingdom. Jesus came in and, and one of the gospel writers says that his first sermon essentially was the good news of the kingdom of God being at hand. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to proclaim the kingdom of God coming. As we see, it actually comes through Jesus and his death and resurrection. And to point to the reality of that kingdom through his healing and miraculous works. We remember that in the Bible, God created the world good. We, God created the world with him as king. And all under the kingship of God was glorious and beautiful. That's chapters one and two of Genesis. But chapter three happens where Adam and Eve listen to the lies of Satan and essentially say, you know what? Rather than living under the rule of God, we can do it better. We should be the rulers. We want the throne. We want the glory. We want to decide what's good and bad. And sin enters the world and wrecks and destroys everything. And there's consequences in relationships, and there's consequences in the natural world. Sickness and darkness infect the world. And yet when Jesus comes as the king, every time he heals somebody, every time something miraculous happens, it's as though he is putting the world back to what it should have been and will be one day, right? The kingdom of God essentially breaks into the world and there's a flash of it, a glimpse of it. See, in the kingdom of God, there are no people who cannot walk. There's no people with incurable diseases. That's the way God made it. That's where God is restoring it to. And in Jesus' ministry, you see it glimpsed. And so what's Luke's point by repeating all of this? The truth is this, that 
when we are with Jesus, Jesus' power is with us. If we have repented of our sins, if we have turned to follow Jesus as king, the king of all creation is now with us in power. And that changes everything about how we approach the world around us. You know, a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago now, I was gonna say a few years ago when I was a teenager. No, it's like 15 years. So a few years ago, I, would, I was one of the less skilled guys in the church that would go and sometimes play basketball at various courts around the area, like for example, at Album Park. And so we'd show up, decide to play basketball at Album. And sometimes there'd be guys on the court there, one of the courts there. And you're kind of sizing those guys up. Has everyone, anybody done this? When you're playing pickup basketball, you have some guys and you're trying to size up who's already there. And you're like, man, if you're better than them, you sort of just come in and go like, hey man, we want the court, we'll play you for it, right? And if they look really good or really, really good, you kind of go up and say, hey, hey, bro, hey, uh, you know, do you think uh, maybe when, when you're done, you know, when, when, you just take your time, take your time, but whenever you're done, could we use it after you? And they kind of look at you like, huh. And they don't even say anything, they just walk away and keep playing, right? That's how at least it went with me. So um, <laughs> now the way we would approach the court totally changed based on who we had with us. We had some uh, terrible players like me. We had some decent players. We had some good players. And then we had some really good players. And if one, of the, one or two of these guys is with us, or we know that they're showing, they text and said, hey, man, we're on the way. We actually didn't have texting then. I don't think we did. But um, at least my parents wouldn't let me have a phone. So um, if we know that guy's on his way, then you could swagger onto the court. And sometimes, actually, I was the one that did it and would say, like, hey, man, you guys want to play for the court? And they look at me and they're like, yeah, sure. All right, come on. And then... We wait and the guy, you know, like comes out of the car and like stands up and keeps standing up. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to play for the court. I'm a sub. I'm not even playing. Like, right? The way you approach the court totally changes based on who is with you. And this is what Luke is wanting to kind of infuse into the early church and infuse into us. Like, listen, when it comes to advancing the gospel and, and approaching the world, you don't have to approach fearfully. You approach boldly knowing that Jesus is with you. He has power over everything, every realm. So you show up and you play for the court. If we are with Jesus, Jesus' power is with us. Second point. First point is like, yay. Second point is, uh-oh. If we are with Jesus, we will be opposed. We will be opposed. Verse 17, how did the religious leaders respond to this? Verse 17, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Now listen, as I mentioned before, this isn't the first time this council has opposed the apostles. It's not gonna be the last time. Things are only gonna get worse from here on out. And so why is Luke repeating this pattern again and again? That God powerfully shows up, right? That people are being healed, that the kingdom of God is being proclaimed, the kingdom of God is being displayed through healing. And yet the response is opposition. Why? Why is there opposition? You'd think, many of us put ourselves in the position of the high priest and think, man, if I had miracles happening and I was reading the Old Testament and these are all signs of the messianic kingship, of course, I would have gone and embraced Jesus, right? But Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, diagnoses why these people do not join joyfully the kingdom of God. Verse 17 says that they were filled with jealousy. 
they wanted the people coming to them, not the apostles. They want the people coming to them and not Jesus. They hate the kingdom of Jesus advancing because it is not their kingdom that is advancing. Uh, Paul Tripp, the author and speaker, has this phrase he uses a lot. He talks about the kingdom of self. He talks about how we all default, apart from Jesus, to build our own kingdom, the kingdom of self. This is what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. They decided we're gonna build our kingdom of self. We're not gonna build God's kingdom. We wanna build our kingdom. And listen, when, when the kingdom of Jesus or the kingdom of God encounters the kingdom of self, there is a clash. There's no way that there is not a clash. The gospel being proclaimed lays a claim on the people hearing it. It's good news, and the good news is Jesus is king, and in his kingdom, he offers forgiveness of sins. He offers peace. He offers joy. He offers eternal life, but, li- but it is his kingdom. And there is a part of us that's attracted to Jesus' kingdom, and a part of us that's, no, 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 no. I'd rather live in my own kingdom than in yours. And we will be opposed when we proclaim the kingdom of Jesus and the gospel and when we live out what it looks like to live in Jesus' kingdom. Now, some qualifications, because I think it's important, especially for us in America, not to misapply this. I think sometimes we have a tendency to over-identify as Americans with persecution or We're being opposed for the gospel. Here's a few things that I don't think you can apply this text to say. This doesn't mean that if you're speaking harshly or ungraciously, and then you get a bad response from somebody, that you're being persecuted, right? If you maybe even deliver the gospel in a way that's like, you and your life are a wreck, like, Okay, and that's not super gracious or winsome or remembering the fact that, remember, you were an enemy of God once too and all that stuff. We should do it with gentleness and respect, as the scripture says. And if you're a jerk to people and they're a jerk back to you, you don't get to go, look, I'm being persecuted. No, you can't do that. Second thing, if you differ with somebody in an area of biblical wisdom, non-gospel issue, biblical wisdom area, maybe it's an area that even Christians disagree with. Maybe it's a political issue. Maybe it's a social issue. And then you share your opinion and then people don't respond well to you. You can't say, I'm being persecuted right? I've seen this sort of on both sides of the political spectrum as well, where somebody will share a political opinion, like this is my opinion of the current, you know, presidential administration, and then people are like, well, I disagree, and then you're like, I'm being persecuted. No, no. I mean, it is good and fine in many ways for you to have an informed political opinion that's part of your stewardship of your citizenship, but listen, this isn't what this text is talking about. This text is talking about the proclamation of the gospel and living out your faith. Third thing I think is important to just remember that especially in America, there can be these fights over cultural Christian, I don't even know what to call them, cultural Christian markers for some reason. Uh, They're not the gospel, and yet sometimes we can elevate them to feel like the gospel. And so example, a few years ago, there was a big controversy when a bunch of department stores switched from having their people say Merry Christmas to saying Happy Holidays. And sometimes, and some of, not all, but some of the response from Christians I saw, I think just went way out in the left field and went, we're being persecuted. They're telling happy holidays? This is what Jesus was talking about. No, that's, that's not, listen, 
That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what this text is talking about. You can have an opinion on that. That's fine. You can share your opinion on that. That's fine. That's not what the text is about, okay? We're we tracking with that? Okay, good. So what is it that we will be opposed for that this passage is identifying and really the example of Acts is identifying? We're gonna be opposed for two things in particular in this passage and in Acts. The gospel message being proclaimed creates opposition and a clear following of Jesus in every area of life will be opposed as well. That's the, op the opposition that Acts and the New Testament have in view. First, when we speak the gospel message, there will be opposition. In our day, in America, the likely consequence of speaking the gospel to somebody is rarely gonna result in being beaten or put in jail or anything like that. Instead, I think there's a more insidious danger. If we speak the gospel clearly in America, we will seem uncool. We will seem irrelevant. We will seem unsophisticated. We will seem backwards. I've heard people even throw these memes around on, on Facebook like, okay, well, you're wanting to give me your opinion, but you think a magical man in the sky tells you what to do every day, right? And when you read it, you're like, well, that, that doesn't sound super sophisticated, right? Listen, that's, that's gonna be the natural response when we proclaim the gospel at times. When we share about Jesus, it is threatening to people's kingdom of self. It is asking for allegiance. It is declaring that Jesus has a claim on their life. It, it is, when we hear, so we can even proclaim, Jesus is a good king and you should follow him. And what people will at times hear accurately is you're sitting on Jesus's throne. And, and they'll realize, okay, well, following Jesus would mean I have to get off the throne. People will have all kinds of moral and philosophical and ethical objections to Christianity. But often, often underneath all of that, there is sort of a gut level opposition to Jesus being king. That's what Acts is talking about. And I think especially with younger evangelicals, there's been a good move that we should speak graciously and winsomely and be culturally aware Sometimes I get the impression that people think that if we could just figure out like the perfect way to say the gospel, then, then everybody will love us and nobody will oppose us. But the reality is, I think these guys in Acts are speaking graciously and winsomely about Jesus and they're still being opposed. And so as long as Jesus is king, is part of the gospel, there's gonna be some level of opposition. Second, when we seek to follow Jesus' teaching on a personal level, there will be some opposition. The thing about Acts that's remarkable is the church is not looking at the culture around it and saying, hey, you guys all need to act like you're following Jesus. And we want laws passed that mean that you act like you're following Jesus. They're just trying to follow Jesus personally. And yet they get opposed in various areas in Acts and in the New Testament for it. Why is that? And I wrestled with this. Well, I think it's because in trying to follow Jesus in every area of life, in the way we handle money and relationships and sexuality and, and everything else about us, when we live like we're following Jesus, we are reflecting the reality that Jesus is King. Hoping God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Hoping God, He's a rock and you hide in ministry didn't end when he ascended into heaven. 
His legacy continued to change lives through the hands and feet of His disciples, and it continues to transform your world today. Each new generation has the opportunity to continue sharing and living out the gospel message. We're so glad that you joined us today for Pastor Ricky's series, What Jesus Did Next, on Better News Radio. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Ricky, you can do so by visiting betternewsradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss a new message. While you're at betternewsradio.com, we invite you to click the book tab at the top of the page. Pastor Ricky has authored a book that's available for free that shares better news for your life. In it, Pastor Ricky tells his own story and answers questions about what living as a Christian truly means. Download the Better News book for free and share it with your friends and family. We're blessed to have you as a part of our listening audience, but we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church as well, just like you see in the book of Acts. If you haven't yet found a church to call home, we'd like to help. Under the community tab at betternewsradio.com, you'll find a link titled The Gospel Coalition. This map will let you search for sound gospel-based churches in your area. If you happen to be in the El Paso area, we'd love to have you join us at Cross of Grace Church. You'll find directions and service times at betternewsradio.com. Thanks for tuning in today to Better News Radio. Hoping God, oh my soul.